Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend your time with us. I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and to empower people, especially adults, to own their voices and talents that come in so many different forms. This space was created to talk to people with all different kinds of jobs, hobbies, and interests, and to have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to speak to so many. I've spoken to musicians, comedians, doctor, lawyer, wrestlers, Reiki masters, and entrepreneurs as young as 13. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as that magic spark, how we show up in our life, imagination, basically all that we are and want to be, do, or have. So I believe from my heart that sharing these stories gives one the ability to expand their thinking, open themselves up for more self-expression, to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. So my inspiring guest for today is Toonie Dagman. She is a mother of five children, three young men and two young women. But years before the adventure of motherhood, she um, parlayed her childhood years of theater into a professional ballet and jazz dance career. Following a bike accident at 55, which temporarily eliminated movement from her daily existence, she found new expression through writing. The years of recovery after the accident became a gift. Oh my gosh, this is going to be such an inspired conversation. Tooney, welcome to the space. Hi, can you hear me? I can. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. How are you? Hello, Hollis. I think the most nerve-wracking thing about doing this is making sure you do it, you like connect properly. I know, I know. <laughs> once, once we're here, we're good, right? Yes. Great to talk with you. And thank you so much for having me on. You are so welcome. And I can't wait for people to, in my space, know you better, more. So why don't, before we dive in to the three questions and all of that, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll learn even more. Well, let's see. I began... Um, a professional creative life when I was 15. And I was dancing in a company in Minnesota, a jazz dance company. Uh, I moved to Chicago from there and danced in a few different dance companies professionally in Chicago and then moved to New York and did the same in New York, moved back to Chicago and finally got married and had a bunch of kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kept dancing, but really the family life took over. And eventually I opened my own studio once the kids got older and started going to college. But it was really, like you said in the intro, a bike accident that happened when I was 55 that rendered me bedridden and 
also on narcotics for many months that I was kind of forced to um, reckon with an identity I thought was completely movement driven and was living without that ability. So I had to really re-examine who I was and then that became an, an expression through writing. That's what I can't wait to dive into more with you in many ways, but I love how you brought up to me when you said in the modality and the medium that you work with, how do you talk about that in the words that you use? And I just thought that was so interesting because nobody had spoken to me in that way. And I realized that in all of the, in, in the way that I speak in examples that I give, I say it's about sculpting, it's about shaping, and I'm a three-dimensional person mm -hmm. um, working with clay. So it was just interesting when I actually stopped and thought, thought about it. I was like, that's so interesting. So when you say about your writing and movement and rhythm, it's just, it's just really cool. Yeah, I, I, um, the accident kind of rolled right into COVID. And so one person started reading my writing and thought, you know, you should really join a writing group. And because of COVID, I was able to join a group out of Los Angeles. And of course, just thinking, oh, they're in Los Angeles, you know, it must be like really good people and all of that. Mm -hmm. But um, what it did do was, you know, put my words in front of people that have seen a lot of words. And this uh, constant like uh, impression of my writing was how rhythmic it was, how um, I, it seemed to have a flow like movement did. And it was, and it was constant. Like there was never a, a deviation from there always being a distinct rhythm to it. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. <laughs> that that's really... how it came out, but it, you know, it was just, it, you know, I think that when um, you're, you sort of lean into your, your creative juice, your, your, need to be a creative person, it's kind of hard to stifle it, kind of hard to prevent it from manifesting itself, no matter what you're doing. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, this is going to be juicy, everybody. <laughs> so juicy. No, okay. You're juicy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, so we're going to start with the would you rather question, and then we're going to go into the other. So okay. are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Would you rather have all of the traffic lights you approach be green or never have to stand in line again? Oh my God, like two of my most horrible pet peeves ever. Are they really? Yes, that's so funny because, and I'm, I'm not trying to like avoid answering, but in this last um, group session, I was working on Revel where we met Mm -hmm. um, I kind of was guiding the group through pet peeves and using probably both of those as examples for them to know what I was talking about. So that's actually really funny. Okay, so um, all green lights would be amazing. Never standing in line again. I'm going to go with all green lights, actually. Okay. And here's why. Okay. Um, green lights, obviously not, you know, like when you're, you've got your rhythm and you need to get where you need to go. Those green lights are like, yes, every time you go through them, 
not having to touch your brake. Whereas I definitely have gotten better at uh, tolerating lines and noticing my behavior and um, checking myself at the door, like, you know, just easing into my environment better. So I'm curious. Final answer. What do you do when you're waiting in line? Do you look really pissed off? No, I'm agitated. I'm, I'm here's what I get agitated with because there's invariably someone that's going to break the rules of the line. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're going to like shove in in front of you. They're going to just do something to piss you off. And that's why I don't like waiting in lines. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You know, driving on the shoulder in, a, in like a one lane traffic or, you know, a group joins a group that's way up in the line because, oh, don't I know you? And it's like that, that stuff just really pisses me off. It's true. Mm -hmm. It all goes back to elementary school or whatever, right? It's like, wait Dude, in I don't line, know. wait your maybe, turn. Right? Maybe it's because I'm the youngest of four. I don't know. Maybe. Oh my God, this could be a whole topic just in itself that we could talk about. <laughs> yes, Mama, it could. <laughs> <laughs> so, but instead, we are going to dive okay, into Okay, but wait, the first wait, question. we got to flip yes. it. We got to flip okay. it. Okay. What would you rather? All green lights or wait or never waiting in line again? I think for me, it would probably be. Let's see. I think it would be the green lights because it gets me from point A to point B that much faster. Mm -hmm. And I think the waiting in line sometimes can be kind of meditative. Yeah, for, for sure. Me in a sense, it's kind of mm -hmm. like, you know, I sit, I stand there and it's just being patient and my brain is just kind of going through some things. Sometimes I'm going through my list. Sometimes I'm like just kind of thinking about things. Sometimes I'm trying not to think about things. So I think it's like a practice in patience. Um, but I think in the car, when I'm in the car, I'm like, okay, I want to get from point A to point B that much fat to that much faster. Yeah, I'm same page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Air high five. Yep. There you go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> And people joining us live, thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. And use the chat box as you like to share any thoughts, questions, and what your answer to the would you rather would be. We would love yeah. to hear. Yeah. So, Tooney, how do you define creativity? So, I am a person that is always anally preparing for things. Okay. Miss Hollis, and so I'm going to read you what I wrote because I can't speak it better than I wrote it. Okay. So here we go. How do I define creativity? I wrote, creativity is stillness, it's awareness, which I love, it's noticing, it's pausing. Creativity is allowing the flow, your flow, of inspiration, of dreams, of impulses to manifest outside of your body in some way, in any way, whether it could be putting a pen to paper or moving your body in a certain way that feels good, mm. that feels holy, 
or shaping soft dough on a floured board, making bread, for example. Reading, immersing your whole self into someone else's words, whether that's reading or listening. Art, any type of art, craving, like craving a taste. The full realm of scent, of landscape, of water, of a bath. And bath is like the pit for me. <laughs> but anyway, you just kind of broke up. You just kind of broke up when you said that. Oh, it, I'm it sorry. got a little wonky. So say that last part again. Um, from say craving a taste. Yeah. The realm of scent. Mm -hmm. uh, the realm of landscape. The realm of mm -hmm. yeah, water. A, and then I said a bath. I find a bath not only to inspire creativity but a creative process wow so yeah i don't i kind of went with that and then thought to myself i might be harder pressed to define what isn't creative so i went there mm -hmm. and my first thought was dead things but i thought mm, that's not even right i don't think because i mean i even for example, walking the other day, um, you know, I w came across this like huge fat mushroom. And while we know that mushrooms are completely regenerative and they also eat dead things, <laughs> but there was like slugs all over this mushroom and it was just this sort of kind of dead kind of creative thing happening. So then I thought, mm, no, not dead things necessarily, but I came to disinterest or apathy mm -hmm. or perhaps self-denial, maybe non-creative things. Ooh, I love, love. This is why I love these conversations because <laughs> no conversation is ever the same. And I love how you just flipped it into what isn't creative and disinterest, apathy, denial. Those are all such lower feeling emotion and action. Yeah, they kind of make you feel dead when you sort of even say the word, right? That's where the dead comes in because no action yeah. can come from any of those. Yeah. Nothing can be formed except... If you're disinterested, then there's maybe a form of, well, what comes from disinterest? Does anything come from disinterest? I mean, you can certainly, um, there certainly can be results of disinterest, but is it intentional or, you know, and maybe intention is another, another component of creativity. I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I do think that, that to, to kind of create a really limited definition of creativity is really challenging for me. It is, yeah. it is. It, it's what I've come to kind of realize in a sense is, and just really acknowledge more before I would say creativity is expression, but creativity mm -hmm. in a broader sense, life is creativity. I mean, we're just yeah. cr creating every, within all of the moments, something is being formed, whether through apathy, maybe, or through excitement. Yeah. You're, you're creating your, the emotion is created. The, the 
action of whatever that is of the emotion is created. Um, how you dress is creative. Um, it's, it's an expression. It's a showing of the moment. The words that you use or the shaping of will then create a feeling. I mean, it could just kind of go on and on. We're getting philosophical here. Yeah, sorry about that. No, it's good. <laughs> but, you, but you even said something just now like that, you know, expression and life is creative, like boil it down to that, like the process of, cre of making life, like, you know, mm -hmm. that's creation, is it not? It's all. Yeah. All of it. Mm. it. It's kind of like you, this is kind of like a contrast of things, but you're looking at the person who's the victim and the person who's the achiever. Mm -hmm. They create their world. Circumstances create the world, but they're also creating their world, right? For sure. Through belief and through, so it's all creation. Yeah. Obviously the victim is going to say, well, it's not my fault. Right. That happened to me because that happened to me because. Right. And yeah, that makes me think too of like happy accidents. I mean, how many times, whether it's like an invention or an artistic accident, you know, you're yes. working really hard to be, to, to create something and, you know, some type of distraction leads to this, oh, I could do it this way. And then all of a sudden, you're onto this like new thing that's, you know, knocking your socks off, maybe not other people's, but your own. But yeah, I, I do think it's, um, you know, it's kind of just being open to what, what can be. And that's flow, right? Yeah. It's the happy accidents I find happen mm -hmm. when you're in flow, when you're not overthinking, when you're not questioning. They, they, they come through you and then you're like, oh, I never thought of that. Oh, didn't know that was going to happen. Like literally sometimes when you're just like, ah, and you just are working on something or doing something in your business or whatever it is. And you're just like, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> and then through something and action that you just do or your words, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that could be that way. And then it's a light bulb moment. Yeah, a thousand percent. I love that too. I love, and in the, so in the writing process, for me, a lot of the times when I write, it's pretty much vomit, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, not to use like a gross word. Yeah, use but, as many gross words as you want to use. Sweet. But, you know, so I am that person that will just go off with, you know, my my keypad or pen and paper or whatever. And, um, but then it's like, you go back to it, you go back to it, you go back to it, you change, you add, you subtract, whatever. The day goes on, something happens in the day that then feeds right back into that writing that you started hours earlier. And I mean, it's just like this constant um, adding and subtracting and allowing other parts, all parts of the day, you're, you know, the days to feed back into some kind of idea, you know? <laughs> Which is brilliant. So everybody, I want you to take note of this in that 
it's giving yourself permission to mm. just spew, to make mistakes, to not mm. be perfect because mm. nothing is perfect. Right. So when we give ourselves that permission to vomit the words, to just free write, to talk into an app and it translates all of it or whatever, you're just getting it out. You're getting it out. You're getting it out to yep. then go back, like you said, to add and subtract and see, you know, where the flow is mm -hmm. and that, but we need to express. Yeah. That was, that was, that makes me think of something else too. So, you know, publishing my memoir was like, wow, was all of that. But when I got to the point in the process where it was time to officially hand my manuscript over to a copy editor that I'd never met, didn't, you know, didn't know, really know, I didn't have a name, anything. So it's going out there and days and weeks go by and then finally things come back and it's piecemeal. It's not like your whole manuscript at once. It's the first 50 pages or something like that. And all of a sudden, there's this anonymous person that is fully invested in your creative baby. And it was amazing. So it's it, along the same lines of going back, going back on your own to some magical thing that you're working on or creating in some way. And then to have a, another person jump on and have that same excitement and that same willingness to ask questions and deliberate back and forth with you conversations on the sides of your manuscript. I mean, it was fucking amazing. It was incredible. Because it's, it's this exchange, it's yeah. this validation. It's, it's this, it's somebody seeing you. It's somebody seeing you, but it's also being really vulnerable yes. and, and embracing that, embracing that discomfort, knowing that it's okay to be uncomfortable because what's the worst that can happen? Normally you're going to figure something new out, you know, whether it's, oh, I made a mistake or, oh, we're really onto something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So I want people to, um, let's see, there's a comment. Yeah. Being imperfect is a very challenging thing to achieve. Very paradoxical, I guess, but indeed to embrace a mess is perfect creativity. Yeah. We're, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Embrace the mess. Embracing the mess. Cause who, I'm sorry, but I drop a lot of F-bombs. Just that go okay? for it. It's fine. Okay. So, um, who the fuck isn't messy? Because if you're not messy, then maybe you're n not living enough. I don't know. Because I just think it's, you don't get the rule book, you know? You got to figure shit out, so. Yeah, you have yeah. to figure shit out. And mm -hmm. if you don't, if you don't make the mess, it's your, like, so being an art teacher for mm -hmm. 30 years and all of this and now, you know, being an art teacher is so interesting because it's not about the art. <laughs> it's about seeing how people express, how they um, hold themselves, how they show up. It really is all about that. So I could read a person as soon as they, you know, the person who asked for the ruler, mm -hmm. like right away, because, <laughs> because they're scared of that they can't make a straight line. That's usually the comment that's made. I can't make a straight line. 
-hmm. when we weren't even, this was working with clay. Mm -hmm. This, this wasn't even within a, a drawing scenario. Um, mm -hmm. so it's needing to have that control. Mm -hmm. And so many people want to have that control, but if you're constantly clinging for that control, then you can't find, you can't find the gems. Yeah, for sure. Here's another example of the same thing from my, from something I learned teaching dance. Okay. Because I was professional from a really young age and had an, yeah, and had a really high bar for myself, which equated having a high bar for other people as well, right? I was not very generous in that regard. When I started to teach when I was older, I approached teaching the same. I had an extremely high bar for my students. Mm -hmm. And I learned very quickly that the only way I could really be an effective teacher was to let go of all of that and have them show me where they were and who they were and what they needed. And my whole teaching strategy changed because of that, because I let go of this very rigid idea of what things, how things needed to sort of move forward as a teacher and instead got it all from the students. It, it was like a, a complete transformation, really, of, you know, a shapeshifter to, to let go of that type of control. And there's so much freedom in that because then you're giving them, you don't have to do as much work in a sense because you're also giving them more responsibility to show up as them. Yeah, when you, you, when you have that much control, you can't really see no, what people are offering you, you know, yes. and then, and you let go of that. And all of a sudden, it's like, there's so much for you to learn from them. The class could go on for days, you know, it's just, it was such a really beautiful opening for me to have to let go of that. So then if you could tell us a little bit more, because I titled this Finding Sanctuary and Processing Child, um, Childhood Through Movement. Sure. So maybe tell us a little bit more on that. Well, you know, I had a, I had a pretty sort of one of those trauma-ridden childhoods. I had some icky stuff with my dad, and I had a mom that kind of was aware of what was happening and had her own trauma fears that she was dealing with. So she couldn't be my protector. She couldn't be my, my guy, my gal. So I very quickly from, this is like four or five years old, six years old for a long time, because I was in movement classes at that age, I very quickly used movement as a sanctuary, as a, as a place to thrive. And so I was one of those people that experienced trauma, but was very determined to turn it into something where that I could express beauty with. Mm. So, and I, and I think that is, can be, um, and I, and I'm, I feel really lucky 
because I think when, when, you, when you experience trauma from a really young age and it's different for, I, I can't ever speak for anyone but myself. And, but I do think it's, you know, different things can happen at different ages, which can lead to different resolutions or ideas or survival techniques or whatever, yeah. but it movement and, and sort of creating my own invisible world of move that was fed by movement was, was a true sanctuary, a spirit sanctuary for me. Mm -hmm. Super lucky. I love how you said that you were determined to express the beauty through it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I really did not have an interest in, sh in like a complete shutdown, which I think is, is maybe more common or, you know, I certainly had my share of like self-sabotage and things like that. But the bottom line was I wanted to thrive. Mm -hmm. I really did. Yeah. So, t so tell us, you've had such a journey because dance, theater, mom, writer. Mm -hmm. What else do you want to tell us? Do you want to tell us more about the theater? <laughs> I, I was a go-go dancer at Studio 54. Oh my God, <laughs> were you really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, girl. Back in the, that was like in the, yeah, I'll heart that too. That was pretty awesome. Um, I... When I was in New York, I was auditioning for a ton of Broadway shows. I actually, I was first hired by a chorus line when I was 15 and they didn't know I was 15. So I couldn't do that show, but so I had to turn that one down. But when I was in New York and I was about 19, um, I wasn't really landing anything on Broadway. And then this gig fell into my lap and I was basically either on a box or in the catwalks above the dance floor every night sweating my brains out dancing with basically you know not very much on i was clothed but you know but this was the 80s this was marvin gay and disco and donna summer and sequins and it was awesome wow that was a good one mm -hmm. you you've had a life man so Okay. So mm -hmm. through that, even in theater, you were still doing dance. You were still doing the movement. Mm -hmm. And then I love this quote that was off of your um, website, which was mother by choice, dancer by calling, writer by necessity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in that really, um, you know, it's interesting actually, because, because I was, in the dance world for so long. And really my communities were, you know, like sold people. We were, not many people were invested in creating families. And so when I first um, decided that I was gonna be a mom, I basically shocked my world. Like what? Like there's no way you even would know what to do, which was true, I didn't. So it's kind of hard to define, you know, where that motherhood really fit in because man was at a growing process and everything I know about it really came from, you know, my kids. But writing is a calling. 
I, I was not a writer. I was a very um, not formally educated dancer. I barely went to middle school. I barely went to high school because I was already working and didn't go to college. So I didn't have a, any formal or hardly any formal academic training. So that's part of the reason why when I really started writing, it was because I was bedridden and couldn't do anything. And I, my little fingertips were like peeking out of my splints. My, both my arms were destroyed. And so I was using these keypad, you know, my laptop keypad or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I had no confidence in all that, that it was a skill. It was just a surviving tool at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it really wasn't until I joined that writing group, <clears throat> sorry for being gravelly in my voice, that um, people started responding to my writing like, oh my God, this is beautiful type of stuff. And you're like, really? Because I remember getting a paperback in high school that was just red line after red line and go home and work on this sweetheart, you know, type stuff. So it was, it really became like a survival calling, you know? And then once people started to respond to the writing, I thought maybe this was really in me all the time. And I was, I just didn't realize that I had that need to express myself that way because it hasn't stopped since then. I, I write every day and I have been since the accident or since I was able to start writing after the accident. So it's so interesting, right? How we hold on to things, how you said you remember when you were younger, the, the line, the red line in school through your writing saying, go back and go back and work on that, change that. You know, that's not right by whatever standards they had. Mm-hmm. And so often, I can't tell you how many times I've heard it and seen it, sure. that this is what we hold on to. So we go through life and are like, well, that I'm not good at that. Why mm-hmm. should I even try that? I was told I wasn't good at that. These mm-hmm. words, these uh-huh. actions we hold on to. And then you are just this driven person, obviously, because it seems when you set your mind to something, you're like, fuck it, I'm doing it, man. And you're you're not stopping me. Yeah, this is true, Hollis. <laughs> so, so you made it happen. You were just like, yeah. you had your arms in casts, bedridden from a bike accident yeah, with your little fingers popping out and you wrote, got into a group, just where you are. It's just, yeah. Well, and you bring up a really good point because being told it's it's like a twofold thing, right? You're, you're more often than not at some point told something that you're doing isn't right, whether it's a creative thing or not. Right. And, and even just hearing those words is heartbreaking, especially if you've had kids and you know how your words can affect your kids, right? Because mm-hmm. you're just so aware of that, you know, if you're in touch with how you were affected at some point. So I feel like it's the, the tandem of being either told, no, you shouldn't be doing that, and or this overwhelming uh habit behavior of always comparing yourself to others that 
almost seems like human nature in a way because yes. it's so universal that even you know you'll you'll hear um multi-million dollar um successful authors i.e liz gilbert who i really admire for for the inner work that she's done as a human being and and still to this day will have her you know moments of just why well, why am i struggling you know and so it's it's that struggle that you know the struggle and the being told no you're not good enough those are things that we have to let go of those two things have to let go i was listening to a meditation yesterday before going to bed so um we're going to lead into another question in a minute but you know i wake up uh to do a meditation and go to sleep it's a new routine that i've established Love. and um thank you it's felt really yes. good and yes. this one was only for four minutes and it was less of a meditation somebody speaking and basically the gist of it is he said why do we live we are mortal beings that act like we're immortal and a million people do not wake up every day mm -hmm. so the fact that we wake up because eventually we're not going to wake up. <laughs> so not to be dark and depressing everybody, but it's just fact. Oh, so why so why do we act? Why do we hope, keep ourselves small and not live our lives as if we're living? Yeah. And you know and actually you saying that makes me think about when I was saying earlier like I had this determination to thrive no matter what, no matter how many times I got knocked down, I was like, I am going to thrive. And part of that stemmed from a really young age. And I actually speak about it in my memoir. Mm -hmm. I was hit by a car when I was nine. And that night I dreamt that I died and I saw my tombstone and I saw the cemetery and it was this really sort of visual um it was almost like the movie fantasia like it was just really wild with with sort of distortion and shapes and things like that and i remember waking up the next morning and i always i've always all my life i've slept on my back right so i'm on my back i'm nine and my hands are crossed over my chest when i wake up and i'm like okay am i dead or am I alive? Like, I really, truly didn't know. And then I realized, and part of my dream was, you know, here, here Tooney lies, didn't make it to a decade, right? And so I wake up and I'm like, I finally realize, oh, I am alive. I, I made it. And it was, and when I turned 10, which I don't remember what time of year it was, so I don't know how long it was before my next birthday. But when I turned 10, I was like, I made it. I did, I'm not going to die. And from that point on, I was like, okay, I could, I could go at any minute. I need, and I would have these little goals of what's next. What am I going to try to get to before I go? Literally, you know, I would, and it's, it's really been my, my entire life like that. I will always check. I, I know I could go. I know I could go. Please let me get to this. 
I really want to see this happen. Wow. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. That's powerful. Yeah. That's but I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about too, because there is this, you know, it's hard not to be complacent when our nature or so much of how we've developed as humans, we don't want to talk about death. We have such a hard time with it. Yeah. And okay. Who's exempt? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Nobody. Mm. Nobody. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So, um, so many great topics here. This is going so wonderfully. Thank you, Dooney. Oh, this Mama is Hollis. You know, I, we have, we just seem to have a, a, the ability to just chit chat our like moments away, don't we? We do. <laughs> do. Oh my gosh. And I want to, again, welcome everybody who's here live. Please feel free to put any comments, questions, anything in the chat. We appreciate you being here and would love to have you part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's move on to the second question, which is, okay. how do you, you've already spoken about things, but taking a little bit yeah. deeper, how, how do you incorporate more creativity into your own life? Yeah. I mean, I might just read what I wrote. It's not terribly long and then see how I riff from there. But I wrote, I try to live every minute from a creative source, which is true. Like I just do. And, and that doesn't mean I'm successful at it, but like meditation and, you know, for anyone, if they're, you're listening or Alice, I know you meditate, like your thoughts come in and, and that's perfect. Right. But, um, having awareness of thoughts it then can allow you to maybe not react or or not linger or whatever. And so there's times certainly where I'm mindless in my life, but I'm always sort of uh, uh, trying to recalibrate, you know, as best as I can. Um, and I do think that some people use faith that way, use their religions that way. I think it's their sort of reminders or their checkpoints. I don't know, because I don't kind of fasten religion in that sense. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, so I would say that meditation is my one of my biggest go-tos for sure to help me incorporate creativity into my life. Mm -hmm. um, what did I write? I encourage others. I, th I think that listening is probably one of the most creative things yeah. I can do. And so even though I um, can talk a lot, I really love listening as well. I, like, I love it. You're good love. at it. I really do. And so I find that that's an easy way to incorporate creativity into my life is just to listen mm. for sure. Um, I like, I'm, I like giving a lot. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, like I care give, I, I go, I, I am a regular at assisted living places and I used to do hospice work, but that's, um, that can be really hard. You know, I, I think I had to take a break from that. Um, but listening and being of service and meditating and praying and, listening to music and moving, but it all, I think it all really comes back to listening and the, in a broad, the broadest sense of that word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you just made me think of when we lived in New York and um, 
I remember just walking up the street with my son. I, he was like maybe two at the time. Mm -hmm. And this other little kid just all of a sudden stopped. It's just this awareness. He just all of a sudden stopped in front of us and he said, darn, I can't fly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I just went, huh. <laughs> And then he just moved on. It was just one of those moments, those listening moments and those awareness moments and those life moments where that happened probably like um, 19 years ago. And I still remember it so clearly. Yeah. So you just reminded me now. So I did the Camino. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's no. um, it's a it began as a pilgrimage, as a religious pilgrimage hundreds of years ago. And it had to do with uh, one of the, uh, like John, or I don't know exactly. I'm I, that's not my upbringing, but mm -hmm. um, one, you know, one of the um, apostles, I believe, his he, after he died, they buried his bones in Santiago de Compostela, and and the faithful would pilgrim you know, all through, starting in France and across the northern boundary of Spain to Santiago and um, to Capastello. And so it ended up being that there was all these different networks through Spain. And um, nowadays, 21st century, um, people do the do these pilgrimages for all sorts of reasons, whether it's just they want to hike for three weeks and, and feel that challenge or whatever it happens to be. But what, what was the coolest thing about doing that for me is that I tend to look at my situations, like if I'm traveling or whatever, as, an, as opportunities for urban Caminos. And so, um, whether I'm in, like, if I go to visit my son in LA, I'll purposely stay somewhere quite far away from him so that I can explore by foot all these different neighborhoods and areas of that, that particular city, right? Mm -hmm. So I was recently um, in Boston and um, flew in and, and decided, you know, I was going to bus to a certain area and then hoof it to where I was staying. I was staying with friends. And so I end up going through Chinatown and all these, you know, this different area of sort of south of downtown Boston. And at one point, this father is walking with two sons, presumably, I'm pretty sure it was his sons. And then one was maybe like nine and the other was close to a little bit older than this boy you were just referring to in your story. And they were walking toward me and then past me. And so I just was sort of caught my eye, This the younger one, took a audible and, and um, sort of ran off to this beautiful uh, monument pool, you know, big, big pool that was decorative in, in a courtyard. And, and he was sort of flying and dancing and talking with the birds and the, the father and the son had no idea the other son and they were just kept on walking. So I stopped because I was a little concerned about his safety, but yeah. I just was captivated by his language and, complete like he dissolved into his environment you know and and then finally you know the the father and the son are maybe almost two blocks away and realize that he he's back by me 
and he kind of like calls out whatever and the son the little one doesn't skip a beat you know he's just like oh yep i'm being called and he's still in his world and he's dancing and he's talking with the animals and then he you know in his path back to his father at a you know that typical like lively young person's step is definitely not a straight line you know it's like curving here and curving there and you're just i'm watching him going oh isn't that so perfect you know so anyway yeah i mean flying is a great one (laughs) i want to fly too (laughs) but just in the moment and Thank you for bringing this up. And your words are just painting a picture. You know, it's just, you're so descriptive in your storytelling. Um, Mm. But it's these moments. It's these moments in life, everybody. And it doesn't have to be this big, momentous thing. It's like you said, you, you know, you go on this uh, pilgrimage in a sense, wherever you are, where you go Mm. put yourself a little farther out to then explore Mm -hmm. and see your space it's a matter of slowing down so thank you for this reminder of slowing down and specifically not running from point a to point b or rushing from point a to b but zigzagging and seeing and even just stopping and looking at the sky when my husband and i were driving cross country um years ago because he went to school out in la and we were on the east coast in philadelphia and um at one point when we were sleeping, he said, you keep talking in your sleep saying, it's so pretty. (laughs) pretty. That's awesome. (laughs) If if I was sleeping next to you, I'd be like, get me in there. (laughs) But I was like stuck because I kept saying it because you are what you say and you think about. So I just kept, you know, look at the, the tumbleweeds, the sky, the just everything, the adventure of it, but it doesn't have to be driving in a car across country. It could just be sitting on your balcony or your patio or looking out the window saying, wow, look at that. Or or waiting in line. <laughs> or waiting in line. <laughs> exactly. uh-huh. And watching and actually people listening, put in the chat box, um, do you talk to people in line? Do I myself, or you're asking people in the? I'm, I'm asking people in them, but then I'm asking you too. I'm. Do you talk to people in line? I a thousand percent talk to people in line. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my kids. You know, all my kids are now out of high school, so the youngest one just went off to college, and um, you know, it's like a running joke. Like, mom, you you make friends no matter where you go. It's one of those things. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I'm curious. Because <laughs> we were laughing about it. I was talking about that with another woman. And um, we we're like, yeah, of course, we talk to people online. And then said to my husband and son, and they're like, well, my, my husband would be more prone to, but my son's like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why would I do that? Um, yeah. So it's just so interesting. So before I go, I can't believe we're getting to the top of the hour already, of course. Um, but before we get to the last question, I do want to ask, do you have any kind of a uh, morning routine? Oh, yeah, I do. Um, before I get out of bed, I swing my legs up to the ceiling. So it's like a dead bug almost position, right? Because I'm on my back. Mm-hmm. And I I pop my arches. <laughs> That's the first thing I do. <laughs> 
Um, but it just gets, it helps me pause before getting out of bed because I usually remember my dreams. And so I'm sort of sorting through those at the same time. Okay. And then I generally will put my slippers on because I have a very battered body. So I need slippers to make me feel safe and, um, not as crooked. And, um, you know, the normal things, uh, brush teeth, la, la, la. Um, and it's within five, 10 minutes I'm meditating for sure. Mm-hmm. So that's, that is the first things first. Yeah. Do you do guided meditation or do you set the timer for like 10 minutes or how do you do your meditation? I do. Um, I don't, I don't ever set a timer. I will do guided meditations or just, you know, go. Uh, but I've been meditating for a long time and I, I crave it. Mm. I do. I crave it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. What do you do? I um, listen to Abraham Hicks mm. and I just find a random video and then get up, brush teeth, do all of that, get back into bed, choose a meditation, mm-hmm. um, make the bed, get dressed, oh, yeah. choose, choose my earrings, which are a big part of my wardrobe. Oh. Um, they just, they're my person. They, they are my expressiveness, how I feel for the day. So oh, which cool. earrings am I going to wear? And then go down and drink my water, make my chai, um, uh, froth up the oat milk and peek outside and then go down yeah. the stairs and start working. Hang on. So are, are your earrings like always large and in charge or do you run the gamut of like teeny little things or always, you know, like what's the deal? I prefer large and in charge. Um, I will wear ones that are medium size, but I'm not like a, a small earring person that just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, I feel like they just make a statement and in fact, when we went on vacate, we went to the beach for a week. And when we came back, I did a video and I said, I didn't wear earrings for a whole week. Mm. And it's, I'm like, you're probably saying, Hollis, what the hell is the big deal? Who cares? But it was kind of a thing where I changed my environment. And in that sense, I just, it didn't need to happen. I was riding bikes and going on the beach and earrings weren't a part of it. Yeah. But when I'm in my home when I'm in my, you know, other kind of space. Um, I'm naked if I'm not wearing earrings. Or are you naked with only earrings? Am I naked with only earrings? Hmm. No, I'm just being silly. <laughs> I was like, hmm, let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So it's already, we have five minutes. So okay. wrapping this up and tying a little bow on all of this. Mm-hmm. Why do you think creativity is important? Yeah, that's kind of almost like defining creativity. Like I can't imagine not living a creative life. It's so it, it's hard to like, you know, relegate the importance because it just is so much of my identity mm-hmm. that, yeah, I, um, What's interesting, I guess, is that 
I am married to a man who's almost the complete opposite of me. Okay. And so I don't think he would say that a creative life is important to him. Mm -hmm. And um, he's perfectly like normal, happy person. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, it's not like he's, he senses he's missing out. Mm. So I, I think that it's, it's important if it speaks to you, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's not for everyone, you know, it's just like anything, right? Like we're all, we all have these needs and wants and limitations and strengths and so yeah yeah and understanding that it's your it's your it's your expression it's your it's none of us are the same we right. have similar interests we have similar ways we may have similar interests and in ways that we do things but it's never going to come across and be exactly the same because we're really unique right so wait go ahead i was just gonna say you know when we're all works in progress hopefully yeah you know so what what is going to really speak to me today i may be like fuck that tomorrow so mm -hmm. but i'm certainly open to that <laughs> mm -hmm. you know yeah open to the work in progress Tuni, can you please tell them how they can find you, how they can connect? And we'll also put your website and stuff into the chat box too. Yeah, the, my website is really kind of an all-inclusive um, landing spot because it has links to where some of my writing is published and things like that. But that's just www.antoniadegnan.com. And I can spell it A-N-T-O-N-I-A. D-E-I-G-N-A-N.com. But that really does cover it. My memoir comes out in May of 2023. Yes. Um, and that's, you know, you can pre-order it now. And um, there's links on my website to pre-order it. There's a, a, an independent bookstore northwest of Chicago that's really gung-ho about garnering as many pre-sales as they can. And they're hosting a huge um, launch event for me. And yes. Yeah. So there's, and that's all, it's really, it's super cool, super exciting and, you know, very humbling, all of it. It's really amazing to ha go through this process. So yeah, website's a good place. So before we say our goodbyes, are, is there any final words, anything you feel like you want to say that you didn't say? Well, in true fashion, I wrote down just, you know, a possibility of final words of wisdom. Okay. <laughs> and um, there was, there's two. One is, this is what I said to my son when I was leaving him. My, my fifth and final at college, I said, dude, you're going to be so busy and there's going to be so much new going on, stressing you out, like every other one of my kids. Like, I think I didn't go to college, but um, I feel like it's pretty normal to become all that stressed out. And I said, find some moments of stillness 
every single day, try to find a place for just you and your thoughts. It's your time. Bring it all in. Regroup. But have, you know, it's just like meditating. It doesn't have to be ohm. It just, you just need to know who you are. And, and it's, it's, I think it's a daily thing. I think that's helpful. And then my other um, words of wisdom would be, again, to um, lean into Liz Gilbert, because she was asked this, I think, in an interview with, I don't know, one of the divas. Um, and, and it consisted of say no, say no to somebody. She said, say no, disappoint someone, cancel something, which I think in the sense is a basically the same thing, like listen to your own needs because yeah. no one's going to do it for you. You've got to do it, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, so fucking powerful. Nah. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. Ahalas, this was awesome. You're so easy to talk to. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I love, love, love these conversations and everybody you need to check out her website, which I put in the chat. Um, this is going to be available for 24 hours to listen to. And then you're going to have to wait about a month before it gets uploaded. Um, uh, but yeah, write down her, her website. So and Hollis, you know, yeah. now when I put earrings on, cause I'm not a regular earring person, but now when I put on earrings, I want to be like, Oh, I got a little bit of Hollis going on today. Channeling the channeling the Hollis, the eerie yeah. energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. And when I put my lip gloss on, which you have to before I say my goodbye, goodbyes, tell them about your lip gloss. Okay, yeah. So I've been wearing lipstick of some variety or not since I was eleven years old. It used to be Revlon Coffee Bean at that age. I have now progressed to a very frosty pink that I even put on before going to bed. So guilty <laughs> of that. I'm not ashamed. It is what it is. I love it. Before going to bed. Mm -hmm. Lipstick before going to bed. So everybody, we are so grateful. Thank you so much for hanging out here with us for this hour. We know you could be doing anything else. And we're so happy that you have chosen to spend it with us. This space is all about connecting, inspiring, sharing stories. So please like, follow, share, all of that good stuff. Give reviews, anything, everything to really spread the word because I feel like we've always needed these conversations, this inspiration, but I feel like we need it now more than yeah. ever. Agreed. More than ever, ever. So wherever you're listening to in the world or listening from in the world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening and look forward to speaking with you again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Bye, Hollis. Bye, Toonie. Bye. Feeling inspired? Let's just get rid of this, throw away this whole perfectionism thing, this whole concept that we have to know how to do everything. You know what? You don't. <laughs> Let's just do things and try things and realize what we like and what we don't like. It's all part of the process. The self-awareness feels so good. You feel more connection to yourself, connection to others, and huh, 
be a happier, more joyful person. Just imagine that. So you are where you are in the process. So you can dip your toe in the water to try new things at a slower pace, or you can dive right in. Here at I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, we meet you where you are. So there are so many ways to check us out. Explore our experiential kits. They have everything in them that you need to try new things. You don't have to buy anything else but this kit and just explore. There's Creative Shui, which is seven elements to join happiness. Through the Publishing House, Express Yourself Publishing, multi-author books, copy books, solo book opportunities. It is all about expression, all about it. And it's again, just trying these things and realizing what you're good at. Don't all of a sudden think that you only fit into one box because we don't, we are not made for boxes. <laughs> there is also my TV show, I Am Creative. Check it out. The links are all in the body of this podcast. You can just click the link and you know what? Don't say, oh, maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. Life's too short. Just click it, see what it's about. There is honestly no judgment. It's all about exploring the possibilities, expressing yourself, and expanding your thinking. I will give you the website, which is IamCreativePhilly.com. So IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com. And just remember that you are an expressive being, so own it. I am looking forward to hearing your story, because we all have one.